we're into week two and I got to use my buzzer. Only once or twice. Or yeah, maybe once? it was it's at only, least twice. Well, the new buzzer. The new buzzer you used once. Uh, once. I've, I've, I'm feeling pretty good. I don't, we should have kept track of what my uh, stats were through we, week one. We could go back but, through. But, but I think, yeah, I only you got guessed like right two or more, three wrong. You guessed yeah. right more than you did wrong. Which is so. good. I'm proud of myself. So, I was I was a little nervous. I'm like, I could really embarrass myself with this whole <laughs> new podcast and show my lack of knowledge of plans. But I've been doing pretty well, in my opinion. You, I, or do you, I'm hoping it's not tougher. No, but. no. I think this one will be – this one – you know, some plants have a lot more to discuss and some have a lot less. This mm-hmm. is one that's – that's a little bit less, right, so cool. it should be easy. All right, here are your five clues to guess what the plant is. It's an herbaceous forb. Mm-hmm. It gets two to three foot tall. Okay. It is. It has a wetland indicator status of obligate. Okay. It is native in the uh, northeast and also Michigan and Wisconsin. I, I have a good hunch. I know what it is. And it's the state flower of Tennessee. Oh, that – that wouldn't make sense for what I was thinking. Maybe <laughs> I was thinking it was Iris Versicolor until that last clue. Well, you know what? The state flower of Tennessee. Who would have thought? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed it either, but it is. Well, there we go. Unless, unless the internet has failed me, <laughs> which is, which is possible. No, it's, and this is one of my favorites. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do it earlier than I later. think it is your favorite. It it's is. Not, it is my, it is the yeah, favorite. Yeah. It is the favorite. So what, what do you, now this is something we grow. So you're familiar with it, but what do you want to know about Iris Versicolor? You're listening to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. Well, I guess. Starting out, I'd say, what is the common name of Iris Versicolor? So uh, the common name for Iris Versicolor is Blue Flag Iris. It's the only common name I could come up with. You know, some of these you come up with a string of 10. Mm-hmm. This was the only thing. So if there's if there's other ones, they're a little lesser known and more elusive. But yeah. it's basically Blue Flag Iris. Yeah, you know, there was one that came up on a plant list the other day, and I'm drawing a blank on it. But it was like Harlequin's iris, something Har- like Harlequin. That? Harlequin. Is that the same thing, or is that different? You, you know, I think I don't know if that's a cultivar of iris versicolor. There is. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on it. This is making for great podcasting. But there's an iris, not versicolor. It's something else where it's like southern blue flag, mm-hmm. um, and I just can't remember the botanical of it. Yeah, and of course, as soon as we're done recording, it will yeah. <laughs> it will pop back up. But. You mentioned this is your favorite plant, and I think I know why, but why don't you tell us why? I, I To me, this plant is so versatile, um, and there's so many uses, and it's it, it it can take so many conditions. It's kind of indestructible almost to me. So it, it can take six inches of permanent inundation. It can live in six inches in water, but it doesn't have to live in water. It can take drier conditions. Like even though it's an obligate, it's always found in nature – in wetland conditions or 99% of the time, but it can take dry, hot Augusts. So it, it makes a great rain garden plant. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think the versatility, it's it's also because of the, the fleshy the fleshy foliage um and and the quick growing foliage, it's also used in phytoremediation. So it can mm-hmm. be planted or floated in water on an island or plant it in water and it will intake those bad pollutants into mm-hmm. the stems and can be cut off and disposed of. Yeah. So it's it does help uh, phyto remediate the soil. It's to me it just and 
It's that, but it's also a very simple plant. It's not a very complex plant. You get these large four-inch blue flowers mm-hmm. with yellow splotches. It's it's the flower we use as the logo of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Yeah. So, um, and it has flattened sword-shaped leaves. Um, you know, I'm not big on cultivars. We talked this, but I think Mount Cuba has. Oh, the, the purple the, flame. Yeah, purple flame, which has purple foliage. It emerges Which is purple. really, really cool looking. If you have like a designer type garden that you want to put in, that's a really cool plant yeah. to include because it, it just looks so different than anything else you're going to get out there. I I agree. But it, I, I agree with you. It's a, just an incredibly simple plant to look at. But one of my favorite things about the flowers is they're beautiful from a distance, but they're even more beautiful up close when you get to see all the speckling and details and yeah. like the little yellow streaks. It's a, it's a cool flower that from a distance and you have 20 or 30 of them or you see a whole swath of these flowers. They're yeah. really cool and beautiful, but the individual details of each flower are awesome as well. Yeah, it you know, and it's, it blooms on the earlier side. It, it blooms for, for native herbaceous in the northeast um, May through June. Um but after it blooms, you, you still get that sword-like foliage. So it makes a yeah. good foliage plant even after it blooms. So it's it's relatively short blooming early in the season, but then you get to enjoy the foliage the rest of the year. Now, how, how does this plant spread? It, it does spread by rhizomes. So if you plant, it's, it's more of like a bulb. Uh, so when you plant it, it will rhizomally keep spreading. So you'll get larger clumps. So you can go back in and divide those clumps and plant them elsewhere in your property. Mm-hmm. So if you want a large, large group of them, you can have a large group. If you want to keep it simple, you can keep dividing them and give them away as presents to to people who you, you would like to introduce to native yeah. plants. You can easily pot them up, like divide them, pot them up into a plant or a plug. Uh, we actually, you know, we, we grow on the nursery things in a multitude of different ways. Um, this is one that we kind of plan out. We'll we'll take trays that have like four hundred little trays in it, spread seed over the top, and you may mm-hmm. get three or four per. And we'll go in and hand divide them out yep. uh, at an early age and and make different plugs out of it. We'll we'll hand plant these, mm-hmm. so it, it, they can be handled without without worrying about killing them off. Yeah. So yeah. Now we said it was kind of a simple plant, but it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for wildlife. No, no. How is it beneficial to wildlife? So it attracts hummingbirds, uh, which is great or great early season uh, tractor for hummingbirds and some insectivorous birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is pollinated by bees. So, but uh, snails will eat the foliage. Muskrats will eat the rhizomes. Um, it's actually uh, the larval host for for a few different moth species, which I'm not going to list, but it's mm-hmm. just. You know, it does, and it's uh, several non-pollinating nectar feeders, include, including the Harris checker spot and the Hobamock skipper, all use this plant. So it does have – you know, it's not the first plant that people think of when you think of beneficial wildlife use. Mm-hmm. But ma- muskrats like this and cattails definitely are favorite. It's same, yeah. very similar foliage um, to use. Mm-hmm. So, And we mentioned it, it blooms early in the year, and that's the time of year when – you need that kind of – you don't have the full glory of all these pollinator meadows and, and other plants that pollinators and, and insects are seeking out. They're still ramping up for the year. This is something that blooms a little bit earlier. So it provides a really important – or fills a really important niche in that uh, that food web. Yeah, so it, it does prefer full sun uh, when you're planting it, and it can take a little bit of, of part shade. 
So you can put it in some shady environments. Maybe it will bloom a little more sporadically if it's too dense of a shade. But. And and a good descriptor of that is my parents have a pond in their backyard, and they planted this plant all around it, yeah. and it's really thrived in the area where it gets at least some sun throughout the day. And in the parts where it doesn't get much sun at all, it, it kind of faded away, and yeah. it's not really there it, anymore. It's not as vigorous. It can handle like a light shade, but mm-hmm. preferably it's a, it's a full sun plant. Now you see it on like a sunny pond edge. Oh, man, <laughs> it can get huge. So. Oh, and there we go. That's my phone ringing. I forgot. <laughs> you know, it's we actually have a soundboard on our on our or a, a sound clip bite on our soundboard, yeah. and I haven't uploaded the the buzzer and the ring. So I have my phone plugged in. Who knew I was going to get a phone call? Yeah, during this is a, tr- a true pilot's nursery yeah. production. <laughs> so, now we also talk in many of our episodes how humans would use it or or. If it's edible or not, is this edible to people? So roots and rhizomes are poisonous to humans. So don't eat it. No, and it's also toxic to live livestock. Gotcha. So don't. This isn't something that you want to uh, forage for. Gotcha. <laughs> so, all right. How about you know? I have some more facts like that, but how about we save them for my quiz? Our quiz. We yeah. can do that. I, I have one more thing to throw at you before. For the quiz, so we one thing we try to to tie in is just what this would be a good sub for. If you have mm-hmm. something non-native or invasive on your property, what could this replace? So, uh, if you're familiar with the invasive iris pseudocorus, which mm-hmm. is yellow flag iris, which um, really takes off, like if you have that in a good condition, it it spreads like wildfire. And um, this is a good sub for it. Different colors, but ver- similar genus. Um, it's a good sub for it. Yep. So okay. let's let's give you a quiz. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So I have five facts. One is not a fact. So not you have true. to let me know which of these five are not true. Although poisonous, Native Americans and colonists dried the rhizomes and used in used in small amounts as a diuretic. Which would make sense. It's another one of those plants that add to that list. (laughs) I could just say that for all of them, though. Who knows? The name flag is from the Middle English word flag spelled F-L-A-G-G-E, meaning rush or reed. Mm -hmm. It is the known favorite plant of June Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver, and she preferred these in the bouquets that she would get from the boys. If you're old enough to even know, do you know what Leave the Beaver is? Yes, I know who Leave the Beaver and June Cleaver. All right. Some tribes used the two outermost fibers of the leaves to spin strong, very fine, highly esteemed twine. And my last one is iris flowers are said to symbolize power with three parts representing wisdom, faith, and courage. Oh, that's another (laughs) tough one. The one that stands out is – uh, June Cleaver and it being her favorite flower. Is that because too far would, fetched? I, I just don't think they they, <laughs> they would throw that little detail in. That well, I'm, make any I'm sense. searching for really yeah. hard hard known facts, so yeah. some of these could yeah. just be. Uh, right, I'm going to stick with that one. You are correct. Yeah. I it was that really... would be fantastic, but I I don't think uh uh I, was that would that be the 50s. Yeah, like I, I tried to pick a show was that, that was, progressive in the native plant movement. That so. was old enough that you wouldn't have watched. 
Yeah, you did. I I actually watched that a lot. I love that show. (laughs) That was a great show. But you kind of remind me of Eddie Haskell, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That may be a little true. That that may be that may be true. Oh, but what a good plant to start off a new week with. Uh, No, I thought that was a great plant, and we're going to have many more. Uh, We have a a good week of plant material coming up for you this week. So uh, make sure you tune back in tomorrow for a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. At some point, we should probably say. You know, hey, I'm Fran. Like, maybe people that don't listen to a native yeah. plant every day don't know that That's a good my point. voice is Fran and <laughs> you're Tom. That's a good so point. So I am Fran. And I'm Tom. All right. And this is a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran and Tom, and we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.